Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. Dude, what's going on? Not much, man. How are you today? Oh, Jared? I am feeling good. I am feeling great. It's I can hear it in It's your voice. 70 degrees out, but yes. compared to what it was, you know, the- It's the, cooling. Yeah. The old has gone, has the passed away, and the new has Behold. come. Yes. Behold, it is fall. Yes. Uh, I'm feeling good, man. I went and grabbed the mail. Okay. And do you know what was in the mail? Um, a big fat check. Uh, well, you know, I wish. Um, no. No. Something almost as good as that okay. is a Nebraska Furniture Mart brochure. And in this Nebraska Furniture Mart, right. you know, magazine, it was like their Christmas issue. So it's oh, all the Christmas decorations. Nice. I just looked at it and I smelled pine in my nice. nose. And, and so I thought it, of it was your first. And, it was your first real meaningful sort of existential experience of the Christmas season. Yes, it was. I, I've been, it's been awakening within me over the yes. last couple of weeks. Like I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not ashamed of this. I listened to Christmas music two weeks ago Okay, and it was glorious and I worshiped the Lord through it. Good. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, it, Christmas is the best. So I saw that and I was looking through it and all like, you know, they you have, felt warm inside. Yeah. They've got the, the decorations, they've got the red, you know, kitchen utensils and wow. you're just like, Oh, I need all of this. You, know? you do. No, I don't. I, I don't need anything. I just, I like to look at it. Yeah, that's good. It actually reminds me of when the big Toys R Us toys oh. edition, like the Christmas edition would yep. come and it's like every toy imaginable yes. and you, you circle like every other toy. Cause but you're this like, is, mom and dad really want to know. Yeah. Of what your Christmas <laughs> as an adult. That's the yeah. yeah. So it was, it was just a good moment. How about you? How are things with you? Well, I'm not there. I'm not to Christmas yet. No. Uh, are you, but, but you like I, Christmas. No, I, for sure. I love it. Yeah, we love it. I love it personally. My wife does. She decorates. We, oh, we love so it all. Fun. So, but I haven't, uh, I haven't looked uh, at anything uh, Christmassy yeah. yet. That's cool. Yeah, I that, respect that's, that. Uh, well, th- this, this podcast brought to you by Nebraska <laughs> Furniture Mart. Um, they should know so that they can give us yeah, that we, check. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you should get like a free, I don't know, red kitchen utensil mm. for mentioning them. I, I should I should go there and talk to a manager and be like, I, hey, do you know about this podcast? Do you know about, because we gave you free yeah. advertisement. He's <laughs> like, well, how many listeners do you yeah, have? Really? And well, both like, of our no. wives. Yeah, so there's, <laughs> it, and I don't listen. You have to listen to edit yeah, it. And our wives, that's three. <laughs> have you ever listened? You've only ever listened when it's not you on, right? No. Yes. I don't listen to myself. Uh, and so I really have not. Yeah, that's a good point. I really have not listened um, to, I've listened to maybe a, se- a l- very little, a second or two, but I haven't listened to a yeah. whole one. Uh, but you have to, you edit them. I do, but I just think you might be surprised at some of the things you've said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. So so that was a subtle hint. You should be listening because if you listened, I feel that, uh, you would not say the things you say. (laughs) No, not at all. Oh, that's great. Okay. Not at all. Well, Hey, wow. uh, Yeah. There you go. Christmas in the air. You you don't listen to the podcast. That that was really good. I feel like you should, this has been a, a successful podcast. By the way, <laughs> I am very open to your feedback and your critique. So if you have My something, feedback and critique? if you have something you'd like to say that's not so passive aggressive like you just did, <laughs> you can feel free no, to say it no, on no, no, air no. or off air. I was just joking. Okay. I you, I don't think you've ever said something that made me think. Hmm. Things that make I mean, you go. Hmm. Yeah, I, okay. I don't think so. I thought. Okay. I, well, very good. But please, uh, you, you can give me <laughs> feedback on or off air. Well, you know, on that point, I welcome your feedback as okay, well. Okay. Well, thank you. 
I've right. never listened to the podcast. So, I don't <laughs> so you don't you don't know what I've ever yeah. said. All right. Well, why don't we dive in? We do have uh, five questions this week, huh? Hello. Cool. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started? So Sunday was First uh, Thessalonians, and I <laughs> I almost forgot to do. You mispronounced it as well. You struggled saying it at one point on Sunday yes, too. I did, just like I did last yes. week on the podcast. Yes. So it made me feel better. Thessalonians. Yeah. Yeah. It made me feel better a little bit at your expense. So yeah, well, I hope that's you. not offensive. However, I'm, I'm just here to serve, <laughs> save to serve. Cool. Well, we were in first Thessalonians two. Yes. And, uh, I thought it was a really good discussion. I mean, I, I do this every time of just saying, Craig, you did such a great job, but really, I, I honestly, I thought it was such a good, um, look at this passage and just this idea of how do we treat our neighbors? How do we yeah. evangelize? Really, share the really gospel helpful. and share our lives mm-hmm. is what Paul said. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So why don't we go ahead and jump into these questions? Uh, We'll go with this first one. Here we go. When an evangelical is arrogant and comes off incongruent, why do you think we do so? Could it be from fear? And if so, can you speculate, perhaps from your own life, what are we most afraid of that causes us to be arrogant and incongruent when we share uh, the message and method? uh, And and, uh, it's a little bit... uh, End up. Yeah, when you... uh, yeah, end up disintegrated. Yeah, so some context for those who weren't there. <clears throat> the, we, were tracking, we were tracking with Paul, who was saying, when we were with you, we shared the gospel and we shared our lives. And he talks about how they shared the gospel. They shared it in humility. They shared it in truth. They shared it not to please people, but to please God. They shared it not for greed, what they could get out of it, but what they could give. Um, so we looked at these various kinds of aspects of how he shared. And we said that, you know, when we share the gospel or communicate in a way uh, that doesn't look like Christ, then the message and the method are not integrated. As this person says, they're disintegrated. They're not congruent. In other yeah. words, they don't match up. Mm-hmm. So you say uh, you're preaching a gospel of love, but you seem very unloving. Or you say you're preaching a gospel of humility, but man, you seem arrogant. And so the person I think is asking, why, you know, why do we sometimes, why are evangelicals arrogant about the gospel? Mm. That, I think that's what they're saying. Yeah. So yeah. the message and the method must, uh, you know, must match is what we were trying to uh, say. So I think that is a great question. Um, and as I was thinking about it, I think the issue that I usually see in my own life and, and as I observe as well is that um, I think it's often related to issues besides the gospel. I think we oftentimes impart other things to the gospel message and then we take a stand for those things and we push those things and I think we come off as um, arrogant or self-righteous. So in other words, yeah. it's not just the it's not just that we are seeking to represent that Christ uh, is God, that he died for our sins, that he rose, that he's returning. It's not that we're just emphasizing that arrogantly. I think we package all this other stuff along with the gospel and all these other practices, viewpoints that we just sort of tag along as baggage. And then we take a strong stand on those things and people are pushed off by that. And yeah. I, I think it really comes off as arrogant. So I think in different cultures, um, there's different things we could attach to the gospel. I think in our culture, I think we oftentimes wed 
politics with the gospel. Mm. And I think this is a very uh, dangerous um, thing. Uh, there's certainly biblical principles that underline our convictions, um, mm-hmm. uh, our, our social and political uh, matters. So I think it's very fair to say, you know, uh, to bring a biblical point of view to a political or social matter, but to sort of make it an entailment of what it means to be a Christian, yeah. then I think we end up oftentimes alienating people unnecessarily. So yeah. um, it, it just seems to me like for too long, the evangelical church has been, I would say, dangerously uh, connected to the Christian, so-called Christian uh, political right so mm-hmm. that the gospel and conservative politics are oftentimes seen as one. And what, what ends up happening is a Christian in person or online or something like that starts defending a political position, defending a candidate, argues about it, uh, pushes their point, and then someone comes away saying, wow, you Christians, you're also you know narrow-minded. And we've never represented the gospel. We've represented all these entailments that's the gospel mm. plus. The gospel, yeah. I'm giving only one example. Sure. Yeah. The gospel plus, say, conservative politics or something like that. Uh, Paul's message is the gospel. First Corinthians 2, when I was with you, I knew nothing but Christ and him crucified. Does anybody, can anybody tell us Paul's position on the Caesar who lived during his day, which I believe would have been Nero when he wrote this. Uh, Paul is a Roman citizen, had a right to vote. Uh, I'm assuming Paul would recommend voting. I would, uh, you would. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would say that's us. We want to steward that right. So, but you just don't get that. You don't get him bringing all of these sort of um, political matters and wedding them with uh, the gospel. You get uh, Jesus. So I I think one of the most common ways that we can come off as arrogant is we take things that are not gospel related. We attach them to being a Christian. We stand for them, argue for them, push them. Other people think, wow, is that you have to do that or you have to believe that? And the answer is no. Um, There's more than one way to view uh, political positions as a Mm -hmm. Christian. I think another way, so I'm saying in each culture, things can look different. I think in another way, um, a way to be arrogant in a pluralistic culture, so we live in a, a pluralistic culture, is to advocate uh, for Jesus, which we should do, but is represent Jesus and and at the same time be unnecessarily critical or unfairly critical of uh, of others. So let me be mm. really clear here. We are exclusivistic. We believe that Jesus is the only way. The yeah. only pathway to eternal life is Christ. But when we mock other faiths or when we unfairly represent them, um, we don't come across as loving. We come across as arrogant yeah. and self-righteous. So, you know, an example they asked from for my own life. Um, and uh, so I was thinking about this one for me. I, I, think, I think I have held, I don't think I've said it from the pulpit, but I've held privately and probably said in private conversations over the years, a real caricature in my mind of uh, Islam hmm. and what a Muslim is like. And because I haven't really been friends with any Muslims. So it's easy to say, well, here's my perception of a Muslim, which has not always been very positive. I think I've viewed them at times in an unfair way. And what changed for me was I became friends with a Muslim and I allowed him to define uh, his faith I allowed him to define the terms of it. Mm-hmm. And rather than me putting on him my impression yeah. of what he believed. And um, so once I'm able to know him, once I'm able to hear his perspective, I don't agree. Sure. Uh, I don't 
uh, I don't read, I don't believe the Quran is yeah. a holy book. I don't believe that Muhammad is the prophet. So we mm-hmm. disagree, but I've heard him on his terms. Yeah. And so I think I could represent him better and it's changed my view. Um, it's, it's allowed me to bring appropriate respect to him mm. uh, in, 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 a, in a way that I think is right while disagreeing. So I can disagree with Islam without holding a caricature of Muslims or without fearing them or without passing on sort of being a fear monger and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, but uh, we have to get to know someone and ultimately listen to them on their terms to find their own faith rather than thinking. When I come to someone else and say, I know what you believe and I know what you're like and I'm going to define you, is there yeah. anything more arrogant than that? Do we like that as Christians? No, we start waving <laughs> the persecution flag. Oh, they're unfair to us. But I find I'm willing to do that to other faiths and other yeah. people. So for me, when the question is, how can we be arrogant when it comes to our, our faith in terms of not, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't hold convictions. We should hold probably stronger convictions than we do in, yeah. in ways. So I'm all for strong convictions, but let's don't attach other things to the message of the gospel because then we end up repelling people for the wrong reasons. Allow the cross to be the stumbling block and nothing else. And then secondly, I would say, as we think about other people or people of no faith, even atheists, same thing. I became friends with an atheist and my view of atheists changed as well. I don't, I'm not one. <laughs> I'm sure you're glad to know that, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not one, but, uh, but I, I don't have a caricature of all of them in, yeah. in my mind either. So uh, I think those are a couple of ways that we can have, we can stand for our faith. We can preach the gospel, but there can be a congruence of truth and humility, truth yeah. and grace, yeah. uh, truth and love. Mm-hmm. I think we have to have all those. That's really good. Um, I mean, that definitely sort of answers the second question we had too, of like, you know, what subtle ways do we have incongruence between what we say and how we live? Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of touched on, on that a little bit of us attaching things to yeah, the gospel, yeah. um, maybe the double standard between yeah. how we judge others versus how we expect them to judge, judge us, us yeah. you know, versus, you know, that idea of, um, I, I think we even touched on this last week of saying, you know, I know what kind of person you are because of the, because of the, the beliefs you hold or yeah. something like that. And we view people as categories rather yeah. than as individuals who, right. uh, maybe have a story behind why they believe what they sure. believe, you know, that sort of thing. But though I'd ask, you know, what subtle ways do we have incongruence between what we say and how we live? Well, I think that's a really good question. So the, the people that sent in questions this week, these were really, really good. I mm-hmm. think for me, the biggest one, now here's what Paul says in this passage. So I'll go back to him because I didn't read the passage today. But, you know, what he said is our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And he goes on and says, we did not seek glory from people whether from you or others, though we could have uh, made demands as apostles. So he mm. says a couple things that I think I could be, in, I see incongruence at times in my own life. And that is um, the, the temptation to please others rather than please God. Um, so I want to be thought well of. And um, so maybe I don't risk speaking up for Christ. So now this is, you know, we can say too much Mm. or I think we can be too quiet. Uh, We're called to share our lives in the gospel. And sometimes I don't speak up and share. And so there's an incongruence there. If this is good news that is the most and this is the most valuable person, uh, God, Christ in my life, uh, then that good news should overflow in natural and appropriate ways uh, to communicate to others. And sometimes I don't do that. And so that's incongruent. If this is the best news, and if this is the way to eternal life, then if I really love you, it's loving news. 
uh, I should communicate that. Um, if it's really good news, we should want to tell people what we've experienced, I yeah. think. And so I think that would be one way of incongruence, which I have failed at, uh, you know, um, numbers of times. Uh, I think it's subtle, but I think it's common that we want the glory of others rather than the glory of God. He said, yeah. we didn't want your glory. We wanted the glory of God. If we wanted your glory, what would we have done? Well, we would have said whatever is pleasing to you so that you would like us, as mm-hmm. opposed to telling you what is true, which you need to hear, even if you didn't want to hear it. They, had, they were idolaters, multiple gods. So you may not want to hear there's one God, but you need to hear that because I, I need to tell you that as because I love you, because it's true and it's good news. Yeah. So, but if I want your glory and I want to be thought well of and liked by you, maybe I don't say anything. So Hmm. I think if we're honest, we'll acknowledge that oftentimes the reason we don't share is because we care more about receiving glory from people than we do glorifying God. We, we want to please them. So I'm kind of going both ways on this. One way is we're arrogant and we're out there saying the wrong thing. Another one is we're being too quiet and not saying Mm -hmm. anything. And I think both of those Paul is saying, we didn't hold back. We told you, but we did it with humility. We weren't trying to, um, get anything from you. We're trying to give Mm -hmm. something to you, but we loved you and we wanted, uh, we didn't want to, we wanted to do what was the right thing, not just to somehow, curry favor with you or something like that. So I think that's another way that I could, I could relate to. Yeah, that's good. All right, moving on. Uh, question number three, um, for a friend, let's say you've lived incongruent among those whom you have attempted to share the gospel, but your life has quote gotten in the way. Um, like you've been arrogant, proclaiming a standard you might not live by, et cetera. What can the road to Paul's blueprint for, uh, the method, uh, for method to join the message look like? Yeah, so I, as I understand this question, I think it's a really honest and a powerful one. The person's saying, if our method and method are to look alike, but maybe I have been arrogant, like I've told people this standard to live by mm-hmm. and I haven't lived by it, uh, that's a problem, you know. Uh, and so what do I do? Well, yeah. I'd say back to the first question, that's right. If we proclaim one thing and live another, um, you know, that, that could be a problem, but we all do that to some degree. And I think we have to acknowledge that just as this person does. So how do you share the message when your life doesn't reflect the message at points? I, I think the answer is what Paul says in the passage, ultimately, where he gives the idea of humility. I think we have to do, uh, we have to speak humbly to people. Yeah. Um, we have to say something like, hey, you know what? I know I haven't always really shown it. And I know I say I believe in Jesus and I really do. But I know at times that my life hasn't looked that way, and uh, you know I want to I want to um, I want to acknowledge that yeah. and and really make the point that I'm not saying you need a savior. I'm saying we. I'm yeah. saying I need a savior. I think there's something about acknowledging your own faults and failures and weakness and need for a savior that's compelling. Who wants to be told? You need a savior, but I don't, Yeah, uh, you know? And so I <laughs> yeah. think the fact, the person, what this person is saying, of course we all don't live, of course our lot, our method and, and uh, message doesn't always line up. Mm-hmm. I think acknowledging that yeah. is powerful. I was thinking Paul does that in first Timothy 15, the saying is trust, trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Okay. That's matching method and message. The message is Jesus saves sinners. The method is I'm the greatest one. I'm the greatest sinner. Yeah. That's humility. So 
that those match. Yeah, so he's yeah. doing it. That's it right there. It's saying we need a center and actually at times leading with our own failures yeah. can be a compelling witness that can be a shocking witness. Oh, I thought you were going to act like you had it all together. Sure, yeah. Um, but anyway, so, and I, I guess if there's specifics, Jared, I would say like if there's, spe- if this person means I haven't lived a Christian life in front of others and there's some specific things, well then yeah, I think you have to make that right. You have yeah. to ask forgiveness and yeah. if it's a broken relationship, try to try to mend it and, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but I, I love that question. I think it's a really good one. And sometimes we can be s- scared into uh, frightened away from sharing the gospel because we think, well, they know what I'm like. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they're not going to listen to me. Well, just if we acknowledge what we're like, that can be endearing and, and God, glo- more importantly, God glorifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. And I think uh, kind of in that idea of, you know, if I've been living a certain way that I know is wrong yeah, uh, and I need to change, I mean, that's a huge benefit of community of saying like, hey, uh, you know, yes. uh, you know, if you have some trusted friends, open yourself up for examination and yeah. just, you know, honestly say like, hey, I know you know me. I know you've seen my life right. and how I live. Um, you know, what ways do you see that I need to change, you yeah. know, to make, you know, my life better match uh, the message that I'm trying to, to, to tell others. So yeah, I, th- I think we can all grow. To. There's a goal to grow, right? Yeah, exactly. We all, we, yeah. all, we all want our lives to more reflect the gospel yeah. but, uh, or the, the being changed by the gospel, I mm-hmm. should say. But I, I do think this is a one, I think we can oftentimes be, uh, in, intimidated by, uh, by we're not, you know, uh, we're not, uh, we feel like we're, we're hypocritical. And so what do I have to say? I think let's right. just acknowledge we're all hypocritical to deal yeah. and, and owning it is countercultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, right. So that's good. All right. Question number four, is the apostle Paul the model example of what our lives in Christ and the advancement of the gospel should look like by all appearances, it, uh, by all appearances, it seems like he worked like you said as a tent maker in Acts 18:3 and preached the gospel with all the other time he had and in every interaction he had with all the people he encountered. Yes, so this is really fair. Uh it's great to hold Paul up as an example. I'm I'm not Paul and uh and, and I probably didn't make this clear enough in the message. I, I can only remember once saying, hey, we're not apostles, we're not Paul, but I probably should have said that more. Uh, I do think there's a great distinction between um, someone who is uh, a single missionary on the mission field um, without various other obligations that the people listening on Sunday may have out uh, communicating the gospel. So I do think there are definitely details. Like, for instance, he kind of went place to place. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're supposed to go do that. I don't think we're supposed to be moving around every couple years. Yeah. Uh, for the, I mean, someone may in the church, but sure. by far not the majority of us. Yeah. So I think there are differences. I think what we should do is emulate the spirit of the example. Um, yeah. And that's sharing our lives in the gospel. Yeah, that's good. So uh, he may have done that with hundreds, maybe thousands, uh, which is the point. He just made tents and then preached, it looked like. Yeah. Um, so he may have done that with hundreds or thousands. Um, you know what? You, The person asking this question, you may do that with one. Mm. Or with two. Yeah. Um, I think the question is not how can I be Paul, which I'm, I did hold up his example. So I, this is a really good question because mm-hmm. I may have overstated the case a bit. But I don't think we say how can I do all that. I think we say, OK, what? how do I start with the one person that I am to 
share my life with yeah. and share the gospel with who is one person that I could reach out to and be real with and get to know that has a different point of view than I do. Mm-hmm. How, how could I do that? Um, let's don't worry about the whole office. Let's don't worry about the whole block. Yeah. Let's don't le- worry about, you know, everybody uh, that's on the kids soccer team. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's find one and yeah. start there and start embracing the spirit of these principles. Yeah. I, I think that's what I would say. Yeah, that's really good. It's really helpful too. All right, here's our last question. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, you mentioned that Paul stated, quote, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. A nursing mother would also indicate that every part of who they are is to care for that child. I guess my question is, how do you balance your responsibilities with this level of care for others and not become overextended with commitments made? If the podcast does nothing else, it shows me where I may have need to balance my emphases in a sermon. So well, this, it's this showing, question is similar. Yeah, it's good. It's showing me where I haven't responded correctly to you. I, I haven't been saying, you know, thank you for that message, mother. Well, thank you for, <laughs> Get you, out you've out been of so here. gentle with me, Craig. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm fixing to be uh, not very gentle with you, Jared. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, so this is a great question. The, the model of a nursing mother is constant care. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to show constant care to those I'm evangelizing and those in the church when I've got a lot more stuff on my plate? I think that's kind of what the person's saying. So yeah. I, um, I, I'd say kind of like the other answer uh, that I was just trying to share that I think you have to prioritize where am I and who has God placed in my life? So. Yeah. You know, this is huge, isn't it? And we probably should do a podcast on this. I'd like to do some more teaching on it. How do you balance all the competing demands? That's mm-hmm. what they, they said. How do you do the other responsibilities in yeah. life? All the commitments, how do we balance them? And I, and I think it's by priori- it's by doing the tough work of trying to prioritize what really counts, what am I really supposed to be doing? Yeah. And so... Um, you know, uh, I, I don't. I don't think we have to cheat our families to be, re, you know, uh, serving other people, and I don't yeah. think we have to cheat other people because we're committed to our families. There has to be some way. I don't think we have to cheat our job to be faithful to our families. Nor mm-hmm. do I think we have to cheat our families to be successful in our job. There yeah. has to be some way to balance these sort of things. And I yeah. think it starts with prayer and probably spending some time praying, Lord, what are my priorities? Maybe even journaling about that, writing down the various things I do. Maybe it's looking at your calendar. What are all the things I do and capturing them in a, on a page in a journal or a document? Yeah. Here's all that I do. And trying to sort of, um, you know, prioritize uh, what we do. And then I think just ultimately looking to start where we are. So who are the family and the friends and the coworkers? And I just said, it may be one or two uh, that don't know the Lord, that the Lord's calling you to reach out to extend some hospitality, be a listening ear, be a genuine friend, not not yeah. just trying to get something out of them, not just trying mm-hmm. to get a notch on your belt, your evangelism belt or whatever, but really just loving them and relating to them. That's maybe it's a stretch for you. So how, how can I, don't worry about how can I be among you as a nursing mom? He says here, how can I be among one person, yeah. uh, two people, something like that. And then he also, we also made this application for church, you know, Hey, how can we be involved in the lives of others? Yeah. Um, I'd start real simple. I would say come Sundays and look for, uh, try to have one meaningful conversation. Who's mm-hmm. one person you could reach out to on a Sunday. Yeah. And then 
attend your community group. Just yeah. show up, make it in the door, plop down on the couch and let yeah. the magic begin. Uh, you know, just yeah. see if you can make it and just participate. Yeah. Do, let's don't worry about, let's don't worry about filling the calendar with a billion things. If yep. you think about building the church and helping disciple others, let's start very small. Let's start about one meaningful interaction on Sunday. And then let's, let's talk about regular participation in our group. Cause once we're there, things can happen. Yeah. If we're not there, it's not happening. Right. And then if I'm able to do that, then I add on, but I would just start very minimal focused of sharing my life, mm-hmm. um, with a small group of, of folks and then seeing what the Lord does with that rather than being overwhelmed to go, well, a nursing mom has to care for their baby all the time. I can't care for the world and everybody who needs me all the time. So I give up, you know, yeah. I think that I would just say, start, start small and be, yeah. fo- be focused. But these are really good questions. Yeah, they're, sure. they're really, how do I, how do I apply these various mm-hmm. things I hear Paul saying? So, yeah. Um, it is a lot. I mean, you think about what he's saying, it's, it can be overwhelming very yeah, quickly. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's helpful kind of what you're saying is it's really quality over quantity. Like there's no call to, you know, you have a quota well of a hundred people that need evangelized yeah, well every said. single day. Um, it's, it's along the lines that you're, you're kind of talking about is just, you know, find one person yeah. in your life that you can, you know, be among, mm-hmm. you know, that, that yeah. idea of living life with this person yeah. and walking with that person and, and investing in that relationship it might be more valuable investing in one specific relationship than yeah. it would be to try and overextend yourself over, you know, 25 relationships. Yes. And that's just not really doable yes. when you take into account, you know, you have a job, you have a family, presumably, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, whoever this person is, it probably has a family. Yeah. Maybe they have kids, maybe they have a spouse, all, all these different factors that it's, yes. it takes time to live life, life is uh, full. to do life well, uh, in just those basic responsibilities, uh, you know, I don't think we need the added probably guilt (laughs) of adding, you know, an unfulfilled expectation of, you know, all the people I'm supposed to be evangelizing and bringing to Christ and all these things that I just, I don't think that's reflected in scripture. It's it's the quality. It's what it's talking about is the principles of how do we walk with, you know, maybe a handful of people, uh, you know, rather than feeling like, you know, we need to do what Paul's doing where he, you know, you were saying like hundreds, maybe thousands of people that he's invested in. uh, And that's specific to his special call. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe there are, you know, a few people in our church. Sure. Maybe there are a few people, you know, you know, here and there that are called to ministry like that sure. and are given maybe more time. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but I don't think the vast, uh, you know, the, ma- the majority of us are called to that at all. Yeah. So I, I think I, it's helpful for you to. Well, thank you. I was just, that I, I'm sorry. I cut you off. I, no, got, it's okay. I got excited as you were talking. So I want to be a good conversation <laughs> partner. I don't want to be thinking about what I'm going to say. I want to think about what you're saying. That's so kind of you. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I think a, a good, maybe we'll send people off with this sort of podcast benediction, but I think a really good message for a lot of us who feel, who are doing a lot of stuff, but feel overwhelmed when we come to a text like we read on Sunday from First Thessalonians 2 is just the motto, do less. Mm. I think for many of us to do less, but but we could be, we could be, a, we could bear a lot more fruit. We think we bear fruit by doing more. I think by, so take your network of relationships and 
I think to narrow that and say, I'm going to do less, but I'm going to focus on the people God's placed around me and try to really love and serve a few, one or a few, three, four, whatever it is, my small group. I'm going to try to be faithful to a few mm-hmm. to represent Christ, both to believers and unbelievers. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to try to do more and more and more. I'm going to yeah. do less, but it's going to be focused and it's going to be faithful. Yeah. That's good. And when I say less, I mean less breadth, like you said, yeah, yeah, quant- yeah, yeah. less quant, less by ver- virtue of quantity, mm-hmm. not, not quality. Yeah, but uh, but do less and yeah. and see if you're not used. Uh, see if there's not a rest that comes to your soul yeah. from that. See if you're not more focused and see if you're not more fruitful. I mean, the people you're caring for, reaching out to, both Christian or non-Christian, if if they feel like they're one of your 25 people you're connected to, they often don't feel as. Um, I mean, they know that they can feel that yeah. oftentimes as opposed to hey, this is a real friend who's who's making time for me and yeah. is a, and has some availability to yeah. me. Just the availability factor is massive. Mm-hmm. And you we have to trim our borders. We have to we have to create more margin in our life if we're going to be available. Yes. Um, you you can't do everything and be available though that's impossible. Yeah. You can't uh, yeah. yeah. That's good, man. I think we should get t-shirts made that say that do less. Do less. Yeah, yeah. Maybe on the back it can say like uh, the front says do less and on the back it says like but better. Like do less. There you go. But I like that. I like that. You can't do everything. I remember, do you know he's before your time? You know the comedian Stephen Wright? Yes, I do. Stephen Wright once said, "Didn't he die?" No. Really? I hope not. No, I might no, be no, thinking no. of someone else. This was a guy who just, he was like very immodest. Yes, 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 yes. Like oh, I, I I know who it is. You know who he is, you got a dog. He uh-huh. is from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> which was, that was a really the worst Boston accent. That wasn't a Boston accent. But he, I remember one time he said, you know, you can't have everything. Where would you put it? Hey. I think that's profound. That's you good. can't do everything. How, you know, where, yeah. would, where would you put it? And he's still alive. He's so. still alive. Okay, thanks for checking. The wonder else. of the internet. There you are. <laughs> Multitasking on the interwebs. I'm fact checking myself. You are fact checking yourself. Yeah, man, that's what I do. Speaking of politics, if we had a few politicians fact checking themselves, mm, that would be interesting. Life would be great. It would be <laughs> both on the right and the left. Let yes, me, let me be clear. Across the board. Across the board. That was not yeah, a partisan man. statement. No. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time and answering these questions. Really good. Um, really helpful. And, uh, thanks to our listeners for, you know, continuing to send in really great questions. Uh, again, I think these are questions that are helpful for everyone, even if maybe only a few people thought of them. It's something that ministers to everyone. Uh, and I just appreciate that about getting to hear other people's questions because it might be something I didn't even think about. You know, yeah. it might be a specific angle that maybe is is different to me. So, it helps me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really enjoying this. But um, cool. Well, uh, you know, I am looking forward to the next time we can get together and have another uh, conversation. Yes. Good. So it, absolutely. May it come quickly. Yes, indeed. Well, as a reminder to you, our listeners, you can uh, text in your sermon related questions to four, six, nine, five, seven, three, two, nine, two, zero do our best to answer them here and we'll see you again next week. Thanks, Craig. I'll see you later.